you're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 561. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. I'll be going solo for this episode today. Since I recorded, the Spurs had just started this current seven-game losing streak with their first two losses. Since then, though, they've lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Orlando Magic, the Portland Trailblazers, the Dallas Mavericks, and most recently, the Washington Wizards on Wednesday night. I'm going to first begin this episode by diving into the most recent game against the Washington Wizards for the San Antonio Spurs. So the Spurs fall to Washington, 138-132. This was an interesting game just because, uh, well, first of all, Derek White was out for the Spurs. Uh, He's out with left um, soreness in his left foot, should I say. Um, And, you know, the Spurs are coming off the eve of having a terrible game defensively against Dallas uh, just a few nights before that, uh, where Dallas uh, made 17 threes on the Spurs, and that was like a new opponent season high for San Antonio that they allowed. And it's kind of been the same story for San Antonio. Just the defense has not been good. pretty much every single night and it's been it's been really what's 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 been hampering them uh however this is the first game where coach popovich actually tinkered with the starting lineup and he actually made a change here so before we go to the actual players that started in this game against washington we have to go back to that mavericks game and what happened there so one thing you did see at the end of the second quarter was that coach pop was actually um he took out Derek White and DeJounte Murray in that game uh, to close the second quarter. And he actually closed out with the lineup of Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, uh, DeMar DeRozan, and um, LaMarcus Aldridge. And so why was he doing that? He was trying to get some shooting around uh, Aldridge and DeRozan, his two guys that are his go-to players you know, on offense. Uh, he was really trying to space the floor for them because, because that's been an issue for the team to start games is that the first quarter, uh, you know, the defense is still not good in the first quarter. They're still giving up a lot of points, but they're, they're having these really long lulls where, where they're just falling consistently behind by like 10, 15 points, even in their own building and also, of course, on the road. And that was the case with Dallas, where, where they just went up really fast uh, on the Spurs. Luka Doncic just went crazy really early. And then also in that Dallas game, in the fourth quarter, uh, Coach Pop was showing a closing group of, of Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, and, and Damari Carroll, again, alongside DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So, so you, were tra- you were starting to see the, the little effects where, or the little um, signal, should I say, where Coach Pop was starting to choose more shooting and spacing around DeRozan and Aldridge rather than, um, you know, going with, with the, with the players who have more upside defensively, which are the point guards, either DeJounte Murray or Derek White. That's kind of something you were seeing was that he was looking for some sort of scoring punch uh, out of that starting point guard position. And, and that's something Murray and, and White aren't, uh, weren't providing for the Spurs. Uh, we know that they're not volume three point shooters. Derek White has been, has really um, been impressive with his three point shot this year. It's been really good as, as far as accuracy goes, but we still know that he's only going to take that three if he's left wide open. Uh, and then DeJounte's, you know, his jumpers slowly, slowly coming. Um, his mid-range jumper actually looks pretty good um, so far to start the year. But, you know, overall, he, he, we just know that teams are, are going to go under on screens on those players and, and, you know, dig in and stay near the paint because they're not going to guard those players like they would um, Patty Mills, like they would Bryn Forbes or Marco Bellinelli or someone like that who's a high-volume, uh, respected three-point shooter. So then what happens is, uh, of course, the Spurs lose to Dallas, but then in the next game uh, against the um, – Wizards coach pop actually says that you know he's start he's making a lineup change and so the two changes you saw there were he uh, started Patty Mills in place of DeJounte Murray and then he also started Jakob Pertle in place of Trey Lyles so that means that LaMarcus Aldridge shifted down to the four now uh, you know again like I said the, the Spurs have been getting outscored um, you know really quickly in games uh, it's, it's pretty much been the, you know the defense like I said has not been good 
but the offense has just really stalled there in the first quarter. And I even have the numbers. You know, I looked them up before I started recording this episode. Right now, the Spurs are scoring 104. 104.8 points per 100 possessions, which is ranked 17th in first quarters. It's their lowest scoring quarter uh, so far this year. At when you look at all four of their individual quarters, you know they're still not great defensively. There, they're giving up their 28th uh, on defense in that in, the, in first quarters. But you know, at least if you're going to start falling behind because you're not playing, you know, you're having trouble on defense. Well, then hey, you know, might as well try to score with them. So that's kind of what I what I tweeted yesterday, uh, right before the game started. Was if you're not going to if you're not going to hold them or stop them, you might as well just try to score with them. And so you actually saw. Some, some progress there where the Spurs actually didn't fall behind early to the Wizards. They actually, um, you know, were leading early. They were kind of, you know, neck and neck. And then San Antonio started to pull, pull away and get a little bit of a lead. And then Washington came back. Then San Antonio built like a, uh, an 11 point lead. Then Washington came back. And then we just know at the end of the day, the Spurs' defense is what their main problem is. But again, you saw some progress there by starting Patty Mills alongside Forbes and DeRozan uh, alongside Aldridge and Pirtle. You saw some, some gains there offensively, but again, the story at the end of the day is going to be defense. And I was actually interested to see, uh, you know, if Coach Pop would go to an all kind of offensive lineup type situation first before going, you know, really ham- hammering down on the defense. And so I was eager to see, you know, kind of like a hypothesis, you know, what happens if you do start Forbes, um, Mills and, and DeRozan as, as your three wings? And we obviously know that that's not going to be play well defensively. And uh, the shooting, though, is, is better and it, lets, it allows DeMar to be a better, um, you know, more of an effective uh, driver when, he, when he's driving either in the pick and roll or one on one. Because, again, he has more he has more space now since he has two shooters on his on his sides that are actually respected by the defense where defenses don't want to give up wide open threes to Bryn Forbes or Patty Mills. So you saw some gains offensively, like I mentioned. But again, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the defensive records, some of them got shattered in terms of their um, opponent season highs uh, that, that Washington broke. Uh, so the so the Wizards end up winning that game. Like I mentioned, they put up a, a season high for a, an opponent, 138 points on the Spurs. Um, the Wizards make 18 threes, which is an, another opponent season high against the Spurs defense. So, so in their last two games, the Spurs have given up 105 points total from the three-point line. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just all comes down to their defense. Um I don't know if Coach Pop's going to do another change uh, before they play the uh, Philadelphia 76ers on Friday, which is the, the day that you're probably listening to this episode. I don't know if he'll go back to more of a defensive-oriented type lineup or if he's going to um, continue with this more offensive-oriented shooting lineup to, to give space around Aldridge and DeRozan. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, but, you know, since I last recorded, like I mentioned, the Spurs have lost five games in a row. Nothing's really changed for them. All their, you know, I, I think the last person I had as far as my guest was Colin Reed a week ago. And, you know, all we did was focus pretty much the entire episode on the defense. And that's kind of the story of the game, story of the day again here as, as we're listening. Um, I mean, as I'm recording, should I say, is the, the defense is still the story of, of, of the issue for the Spurs. You know, they're, they're still they're, they're even though their their um, style is not, uh, a, a, you know, it's not really shown in 2019 when you're the you're first in all mid range shots and you're 30th and threes and 30th and um, shots at the paint. Um, it's still an efficient offense for San Antonio. They're a low turnover team. They, um, you know, they, they, they keep the other team off the offensive glass. Uh, and like I mentioned, they're actually increasing their, their fast break points with, with the, with the, um, the, uh, bringing back Murray, should I say, bringing him back into the fold. They're actually uh, a, a top 15 and scoring off the fast break. But then again, it's just they're, they're so accurate with their mid-range shot. It's a it's a good, you know, half-court type of offense to run. It's going to be efficient. But overall, it's not letting them gain any kind of momentum because they're not playing. They're, they're having trouble on defense for one, for one thing. And then two is that they're shooting so many twos so that all it, all a team has to do is make a few threes and they're right back in a game against San Antonio. I even have a record here where um, – 
I believe, yeah, the Spurs are now uh, four and four when they're up by 10 points. So again, San Antonio has shown some promise in eight games here where they can take a 10 point lead, a double digit lead, but they can, they can rarely, they've only held it four times. And why? Because again, you know, they might look good for, for a period or two, a quarter or two, should I say. And then all of a sudden, you know, teams start going to just making a bunch of threes. And there it is that that lead is just quickly gone because the Spurs aren't a high volume three point shooting team. They're a team that's mainly focused on the mid range, which is, which is a good shot for them. You know, they're one of their top five accurate team for mid range, but overall the math just doesn't work and teams are going to eventually come back, especially if you're not, you know, if you're having issues on defense. So uh, next let's go, let's really dive into what's going on with this defense. Uh, kind of what we're seeing. It's a lot of the same trends from last time that I recorded with Colin uh, as, as of my, my recording this episode on a, what is this Thursday night? They are 28th in defense overall. They're 29th in half court defense. Um, you know, was something that, that to notice uh, from cleaning the glass is that the Spurs, uh, their frequency of live ball rebounds for the for the opponent is pretty low. The frequency of, of plays off live right rebounds, it's only they're, they're ranked fourth. So they're so they're not letting teams get out and run on them um, on those live ball rebounds when, when the Spurs miss a shot. But when the teams do get a chance to run on them, they're, they're scoring really efficiently. They, they have San Antonio ranked 27th in that category in terms of opponent points um, per possession scored. Uh, when they when they grab a, a live rebound against the Spurs' defense, um, that's where San Antonio just doesn't get back. And you know, there's been clips on Twitter, there's been clips on like, uh, on different sites, and and you can just tell that you know if a, if if a Spurs player misses a shot, uh, the defense gets a, gets the rebound, and then they just take off down the other end. Uh, and you know, whether because of the players that San Antonio has down there, not a lot of defensive oriented um, mindset players. Um, uh, besides, you know, maybe like Derek White or Dejounte Murray, or maybe like Damari Carroll. There's everybody else. You know, they can pretty much, uh, as far as the wings go, they can a def- defender can pretty much attack them one on one or even one on two in most cases. And that's been the case with the Spurs getting back, not not getting back in transition. And even when they do try to get back in transition, their their defenders just aren't aren't known as those kind of players to stop somebody. You know, going full speed at them or or just who just needs a crossover to get to the paint. And that's kind of the case that you've been seeing with some of these teams that are just kind of um, getting by them in, in the in the open court and so of course what are some effects of that they are ranked 25th in opponent fast break points uh they're 19th in opponent um, points in the paint team they're, they're dead last in, in opponent accuracy means that teams are shooting the most effective percentage against them when they get to the rim um what else here oh yeah and then the three-pointers okay so so three-pointers are interesting because the spurs aren't giving up a lot of threes they're actually fifth in terms of um, limiting opponent three-point attempts uh and they're actually uh, first and making teams shoot the mid-range. So that they're like trying to make teams kind of play like them, take a lot of mid-range shots, uh, and they're trying to limit threes. But when teams do get threes, they are just uh, torching San Antonio from that area. Right now, um, teams are shooting uh, accuracy-wise. Uh, the Spurs rank 27th. So basically, um, you know, the, the Spurs are, are almost dead last there in terms of opponent accuracy from threes. So that, so that when teams do get threes, they're, they're getting really efficient looks. And, and it's really, really um, what, what's what's made these, you know, these types of nights happen. And where, where they're giving up 17 threes to Dallas and then 18 threes to Washington. Uh, some other numbers that paint that uh, pretty clear here is uh, according to the NBA.com, um, 46% of the Spurs' opponents' threes are wide open on average. Um, yeah, and then opponents are shooting 37% on those wide open looks. So again, if you're if you're letting a team shoot 37% on these wide open looks and 46% of them, almost half of them are, are wide open. You're, you're going to be giving up over 1.12 points per shot, which is, which is a very effective number, uh, a really good number for, for teams taking three. So, so again, there, there's kind of where your issue is, is that the Spurs aren't allowing a lot of threes, but those dribble drives, those, the, the, the um, those, those opportunities when teams kind of um, make the Spurs have to double team or have to rotate 
or um, the Spurs are getting back in transition. It's just causing a lot of um, really good looks for the opponent to shoot threes, and they're obviously making them with a very uh, good opponent uh, three-point accuracy, as we see there. Uh, another area where the Spurs are getting targeted um, is the pick and roll by the ball handler. So like whenever a guard or wing runs a pick and roll with the big, uh, they're doing that on 25% of their possessions against the Spurs. That's the second most in the league. And again, why, why are they doing that? That one, they can get by the guards, um, maybe, maybe outside of like DeJounte or Derek White, they can get by, but they can lose their defenders, uh, Brent Forbes or Patty Mills or Marco Bellinelli or DeMar DeRozan. And then the big is they're trying to target bigs who just want to drop, which are Yaka Pirtle or LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, Trey Lyles and Rudy Gay have a, have a little bit more of a chance to, to guard these pick and roles because they're able to you know to, to move laterally a little bit quicker than, than Aldridge or Pirtle and they also don't you know on, on these screens they're not getting just you know you know um, pretty much uh, just taken out of the play like Colin Reed's kind of mentioned like the guards do so so that's an issue too is that they're just getting they're, they're just not playing well in the pick and roll when they're guarding that and teams are so it has the Spurs ranked 20th in terms of um, points per possession for the pick and roll from the opponent so again teams are, are, are using the pick and roll effectively against San Antonio and, and it's working it's just um, you know either making them have to rotate have to double team when somebody gets into the paint they can kick out to a three or, or swing the ball around or they can just get a straight up like just get a layup uh, semi-contested or, or just wide open uh, sometimes teams are also driving pretty well against the Spurs uh, on, on drives teams are scoring 26 points a game against San Antonio's defense what would that look like that would be like the ninth ranked offense in drives so like the ninth best team who drives on you that's kind of what the Spurs are seeing every single night with their defense what that they're giving up in drives so again what does that show that shows more dribble penetration issues and again it comes down to the personnel pretty much on the lineup you don't have you don't have a lot of top tier defenders out there uh players who would who would even be on a ballot for an all defensive team maybe like i've mentioned over and over maybe Derek white maybe uh we know Dejounte has definitely been on, on, on one of those ballots but uh you know it's you, you don't have a lot of perimeter oriented players like i mentioned that are, that are defense first and so that's the tough part for san antonio is that they're running a lot of lineups where the personnel just doesn't have uh that that defensive stronghold um or, or yeah you know in, in the in their um in their team buildup. And that's kind of where, where you're seeing that teams are just kind of exposing them, whether it's dribble drive or, or just pick and roll or, and different other kind of things. Some things, you know, it's hard to find a lot of things right now that the Spurs are doing well on defense. Um, one thing they are doing well uh, is uh, they're, they're keeping teams off the offensive glass. I know there's been a few games here where, you know, late in games are not able to get offensive rebounds, but overall they're fourth there, keeping teams uh, from getting offensive boards. Um, opponent free throw rights used to be one of their straights, a top 10 um, area for them on, on defense, but now teams are kind of getting to the free throw line. They're, they're, the Spurs are ranked 13th, which is still in the top 15, but again, it's not quite top 10 level anymore. They're starting to foul a little bit more here. Um, and then, like I mentioned, they're, they're at least making teams take mid-range shots against them, uh, but teams are are kind of making those shots against San Antonio when they do take the mid-range. So, so overall, I mean, at the end of the day, we kind of saw that experiment against Washington where if the Spurs try to go offense first and try to basically keep score with the opposing team, it might work a little bit. It keeps them in a ball game. But at the end, but but look at look what happens at the end of the day. Washington's not even one of the best teams out there, and they were able to beat San Antonio by putting up 138 points with that with that type of approach. So it really. If, if the Spurs want to get back on the winning track and get and get a win and also um, you know get back into the playoff picture, they have to get some sort of defense. Maybe not a top ten defense, but at least get down to like you know league average or, or within like fifteen to twenty range. And right now, that's just not happening where they're at. They're in the bottom five, um, pretty much on a nightly basis defensively. So I've wrote down, um, written down some some ideas to improve the defense. As far as I think it has to again start with start with lineups because we're now. 15 games into the season and you know the same players have pretty much played mostly every game and we're seeing though that you know as much as it's they, they, 
they talk about the players talk about communication and and just um, you know mental errors and things like that. Coach Pop was right. You know, he he basically said a few games ago when they were at home that he he expected more out of this group right now because he's basically saying that you know they have the same exact core from last year. They should pre- pretty much be ahead of the curve in terms of their 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 continuity and things like that. But you know, just with the, the small inclusion of two players in Trey Lyles and and Dejounte Murray, it shouldn't be that, that that much. You shouldn't see this big of a drop off. But you have seen it. It's just been it's just been all around the roster um, where where they're just it's just the defense is just completely gone. The offense kind of stayed there. It's a top ten offense like last year, but the defense is just completely gone again. And you know, you'd think they would have been better with um you, you know, with Dejounte back, a guy who was actually an all defensive team member on the second team before he got hurt, and then a guy like Trey Lyles who, who's 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 been playing pretty decently when you look at his his like off ball switching. Um, that he's able to do he may not be a great one-on-one defender against you know really elite players but aside from that he's he's a pretty good uh, he's, he's been showing some solid contribution and that's pretty much why he's been starting he had been starting most of his games was for his play on the defensive end not really on the offensive end where he's his shot is kind of starting to come along so i've written some some ideas for some lineup changes um I think the Spurs uh, sh- should try. Uh, I know that I want to give John Diaz credit because he had called uh, the Patty Mills starting thing. You know, two weeks ago on the Spurs cast, he was on here said, you know, he thought that the Spurs should start Dejounte until not Dejounte Patty Mills until Dejounte got fully healthy and off that minutes restriction, just to kind of keep the continuity going in the starting lineup and provide some spacing. And, and sure enough, Pop did pull uh, that kind of move. So I'm just going to give some suggestions here because you know, see, see what happens. Um, Obviously, the one that a lot of people want to see is uh, for them to start uh, DeJounte Murray, Derek White at the two, then maybe DeRozan. And any of your options at the four could be uh, your small ball option, should I say. Like, like it could be Damari Carroll. It could be Rudy Gay. It could be Trey Lyles. And then Aldridge at the five. Now, again, I know I keep saying the, the Murray-White backcourt, but until we see Murray off of that minutes restriction uh, limit, then I don't think we're going to see that for now. It just seems like Coach Pop wants to keep playing uh, he and, and DeJounte at different times, DeJounte and Derek White. Maybe if Pop starts Patty Mills again in the starting lineup, then maybe we'll see some DeJounte, Derek White minutes in the backcourt um, off the bench together. That That's a possibility now. But again, I don't know if he's going to start continue starting with Patty after that performance against the Wizards, where the Wizards put up 138. Um, another idea I've, I've written down here is uh, DeJounte at the one, uh, Derek White at the two. DeRozan at the three, Aldridge at the four, and Jakob Pertl at the five. So again, that's more of your traditional lineup, but again, you're getting DeJounte and Derek White in there. Again, I don't know if Pop will do that just yet because Murray's still in that minutes restriction. Um, another idea, uh, maybe shifting DeRozan down to the two. So th- with this idea, you could either start Murray or White. So Murray or, 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 uh, or Derek White at the one. Uh, DeRozan at the two, and then Demari Carroll, who's more of a defensive-oriented type player, a guy who's known for his defense, a 3 and D type of wing. Um at the three and then putting uh, Trey Lyles or Aldridge at, at the four and then, you know, either Aldridge or Pirtle at the five. So again, what's the key here is that you've, you've pretty much, um, in a lot of these lineups, you're, the guy that I keep seeing here that I'm taking out and most of them is Brent Forbes because why, uh, you know, after 15 games, it just looks like it's hard to find a, a solid lineup for San Antonio where, where you have D- Bryn and, and DeRozan starting at the same time in the same lineup. And that's, it's just tough defensively. I know that Bryn provides pretty much all their three point shooting in that starting group, but again, it's just, it, it's, it's just too many um, liabilities on defense where teams are going to attack, attack those two players. And, you know, if you start like with, with White or Murray and then DeRozan at the two, and then you have somebody strong like Carroll at the three, well then you only have one defender. You really have to worry about, um, you know, where, where they're allowing um, dribble penetration if in a one-on-one matchup or on, on, on weak side help. Uh, even if they're the last person rotating there, there might be somebody else there to kind of uh, cover up some of those mistakes and errors. So, so that's why I think that you got to, I think in a lot of these lineups, you really just got to look at possibly bringing Brent off the bench and seeing, just seeing how it goes for a few games. Um, 
you know, I wrote here, just got to kind of stay away from the smaller backcourt options, which is like Mills, Forbes, um, or, or like Bellinelli, Forbes, or, or Mills and Bellinelli, uh, DeRozan and Forbes. Those kind of, those kind of lineups, because again, it's just, you, you don't want to have a lot of lineups with, with m- multiple defenders that are going to get attacked by the, by the opponent. And that's kind of been the case though, because the, most of those players that I just mentioned are the good three point shooters outside of DeRozan, where those are the Spurs' high volume three point shooters that provide um, the offense. So again, there's there's some give and take. Is that the, the more strong defenders you put in, you're going to have issues on offense. But again, if you, if you keep the offensive players oriented, shooting kind of players, well then you see the the rebound, which is with other defense where they're having major issues. But at the end of the day, I think that they definitely got to try to improve this defense, and so you got to go toward routes that have more offense, more defensive oriented players. Like I mentioned here, just try to keep one bat like uh, liability type of defender on, on in your lineups. Um, something else I noted was that. Uh, you know the DeRozan Aldridge pairing is, is is struggling again. This isn't this isn't just something that I'm noticed. Uh, Zach Lowe's kind of been talking about this uh, over on ESPN, and then um, Matt Moore from um, Hardwood Paroxysm. Um, he's been talking about this as well. He kind of looks at every game. The Spurs is plus minus, and and every game it's got Aldridge and DeRozan in the minus category. And, and together on the court right now, they're minus six point seven points per one hundred. Uh, when you have just DeRozan out there with no Aldridge, the Spurs are a minus 14.1 points per 100. When it's just Aldridge with no DeRozan, it's a minus 11. So even if the one player is playing on the team, it's just there's there's still a lot of uh, minuses going on. And most of it comes with their defense uh, on that part of the on that part of the floor. Uh, in the case of Aldridge, when, he, when he's out there without DeRozan, um, it's actually the offense that stalls a little bit and the defense actually improves. Uh, when you look at the, the some of the lineups of DeRozan and Forbes, like I was mentioning earlier, in any in all their lineups, according to Cleaning the Glass, they're a minus 6.9 together, uh, scoring 111 points per 100 and giving up 118 when you have that type of backcourt or, or those two players, should I say, out on the wing with any other players. Uh, and then Forbes is just uh, – his overall net rating is just a minus 9.6. Now, a lot of that does come with um, playing with the starters. Like I mentioned, they've been struggling uh, pretty much all year. So, so again, I think that – if you really, really uh, want to try to make some sort of improvement, I'm really eager to see if if Pop will will, will look at possibly um, removing removing Forbes out there and, and keep maybe you know he's probably going to keep DeRozan because because DeRozan is one of their go to players as, as well as Aldridge. I don't think that happens where Pop brings either one of those two players off the bench. But again, I think that f- it would be interesting to see what happens if if they take Forbes out. And now I know again there will be a hit on their shooting and their offense. But there, there could be some gains defensively uh, because you, you're not having DeRozan and all and Forbes out there at the same time. Um, so, interestingly, one lineup that's kind of working though with Forbes and DeRozan is when Rudy Gay starts at the four. So, ac- according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, you know when Derek when it's Derek White, Forbes, DeRozan, Rudy Gay, and Aldridge, the Spurs are a plus three point three net rating in seventy one possessions. When it's Murray, Forbes, DeRozan, Gay, and Aldridge, the Spurs are a plus 15.9 points per 100 in just 36 possessions. So, I, again, I know that the sample size is, is really small. It's not even 100 possessions out there together when, when you have Rudy Gay at the 4 and Aldridge at the 5 with the, pretty much the same lineup in either point guard. But there's there's something positive there. It's one of the few positive lineups you can actually find on the Spurs. And so I'm, I'm eager to see if maybe Pop just does that. He, he If he doesn't want to move Forbes away from DeRozan and keeps them together, well, then maybe just starting Rudy Gay at the four and Trey Lyles' old spot and see if, if if those numbers are real or if it was just a small sample size that, that painted them as, as a positive uh, type of lineup. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the defense. Um, I think something I just I wanted to note also was that it was interesting. I was just looking at the quarter by quarter lineups, um, not lineups, um, net ratings. Uh, and, and one of the ones that's actually interesting is their second quarter only. So so when you look at their defensive rating in the first quarter, they're ranked 28th. 
In the second quarter, they're ranked 14th. Hey, that's that's better than league average, barely though. But it's hey, it's 14th. It's their best line, defensive lineup they have. They're 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 a lot, they're holding teams to 105.9 points for 100. Third quarter uh, defense is ranked 27th, and then fourth quarter is 29th. So so there's one small um, d- uh, uh, glimpse of I guess hope you would say for the Spurs, and it's that second quarter. Now the hard part is that when you really dig into this, I was like, okay, well then who's playing in this in, the, in these lineups? Majority of it is their bench unit. It's like it's like when you when they have that second unit of Derek White, Patty Mills, Marco Bellinelli, uh, Rudy Gay, and Pirtle. That's actually some of their one of their some of their stronger lineups. Uh, that that group right there is holding teams to ninety five point eight points per one hundred. I mean that's like a top top five defense right there, and they're scoring one hundred twenty points per one hundred uh, when they're out there in the second quarter only. So I, I know though the, the hard the part, hard part of taking out taking apart this data is that it is against a lot of second units so it's not really a lot of the starters from from the other team their best players but again there's something there that that in that second quarter i don't know if they can just look into those numbers and maybe pull some players from those groups and and put them in the starting lineup um but there's something there if if you're looking at if if you're the spurs and you're looking at some sort of hope is that in that second quarter there there is there's a little bit more positive there compared to the rest of their their all their other lineups basically in all their other quarters um uh, finally, uh, let's look at the short-term and long-term outlook for the Spurs' record right now. Okay, so again, as I'm recording this on Thursday evening, the Spurs are 5-10, 15 games into the year. And now, again, it doesn't seem like a lot. You, you, you might say, oh, okay, they're only five games away from being 500 again. Or you could say, if you look at the standings, you'll say, on one end, it looks really bad. They're 14th, basically, um, you know, basically right behind the Warriors for being dead last in the West. Uh, but then on the shorthand, you're, you're saying, okay, they're only three games behind Minnesota for eight. So, so again, the short-term plan, it still looks like the playoffs can, can still be, uh, there for San Antonio because they're just three games behind Minnesota in the standings to get there. But when you look at the long-term picture, it's very concerning for the Spurs' uh, hopes of continuing their playoff streak. Um, here's what they got going on. They have 80% of their home games left. At home, they are four and four, so that hasn't been good for them. Is that the fact that normally the home is like one of their backbones where they really uh, play well these last, um, you know, pretty much the, uh, the majority of their time under Pop, and now they're four and four there. They're basically five hundred team at home. On the road, they have eighty three percent of their games left, and of course, on the road, we know that they've only won one game all year. Last year, that was an issue for them, and that's continuing. That trend's most likely going to continue this year, as it already started. Here's another problem for San Antonio: they are now zero and five versus. 500 and above ball clubs. So they've only played five games against the really good teams, not really good teams, but just good teams, should we say. And they're 0-5. They haven't even won one game against those teams. Uh, then another uh, discouraging sign for them is that they're 5-5 five and five against minus 500 teams. So even when they get those easy teams, which there's not a lot of the, a lot of those teams left out West anymore, uh, they're actually five and five. They're just a 500 ball club against, against teams that are, that are, that are, aren't good, you know, that aren't, that are below 500. So th- that's a concern for San Antonio going forward. Um, also, According to Tankathon, they have the toughest schedule, the hardest schedule left in the entire NBA. Their strength of schedule for their opponents is a 52%, uh, I guess you would say winning percentage or strength of schedule, however they, they interpret that. So again, they have literally the hardest schedule left as of right now uh, to, to end the year. So so not only are they five games behind, you know, out of being a 500 ball club, they're three games out of being uh, eighth out west. They still have the hardest schedule left in the entire NBA. So again, th- those are some signs that, that, 
you know, if they cannot get this together pretty quickly, then this, this, this season could really, really go south. And then, you know, who knows what happens then. And then, it, then, then you might start seeing some of the young players start, start, um, you know, getting definite minutes if they're basically entering a season where they're just going to try to just make progress with the young players. Like maybe like Chemezi Metu, Keldon Johnson, um, Lucas Simonich, Lonnie Walker, uh, you know, of course, DeJounte and Derek just kind of start building for the future. If that's the case, if they fall, if they fall about 10 games out of eighth place in the West, I think that's when you start to see that those, those, te- those, those really, really, um, you know, monumental type of changes for this year where they go toward a youth movement. They probably know they're going to miss the playoffs. And then, uh, you know, maybe they look at some, some sort of trades for their, for their veteran players, uh, uh, that they have remaining on the roster. So, so we'll kind of see what happens again. It's just, uh, uh, mid late November, should I say they were, they were, if we recall last year, they were three games under 500, uh, on December, I think fifth or second. So again, they, they were kind of playing bad last year as well at, at around this time, but it was, but this year is actually worse and again, you know, if there's one thing that this team has shown, they can get it together. Uh, they have shown it, I guess, in the past, but we'll, we'll see right now. I know that, um, you know, there, there's a belief in, in that, that, you know, they're going to get it together. They're going to figure it out. They have the same roster. You know, DeJounte going to make them a lot better. Uh, and then there's also, you know, the, what, what the statistical projections showed them as a lot of math, different math projection models didn't have this team very high because they saw the rest of the league getting better. They saw San Antonio kind of staying put and with the roster that they had, didn't make a lot of huge acquisitions. You know, I know they got Murray back, but we're seeing that even Murray can't currently, uh, get to his full level of, of where he can try to try to be because again, he's on this minutes restriction where he's not even playing in back to backs and, and different circumstances like that. So, so, um, you know, we'll see what happens in, in these next uh, few weeks if, if uh, by like Christmas time, if San Antonio has it together or if, you know, if, if it's heading toward that trend of them most likely missing the playoffs and, and just heading toward a, a youth rebuilding type of season. Uh, currently, you know, where do they stand as far as uh, if they go, you know, we're looking, continue looking at that long-term route. So if they continue on this trend right now, they're expected to win 27 games this year. According to Cleaning the Glass, they are playing like with the efficiency of a 34-win team. And then, of course, what does that mean if they were that were to happen? Well, well, then they would probably they're most likely going to get a lottery pick for the first time in a long time. Uh, they would get the seventh pick right now, according to Tankathon, and they'd also have a six percent chance at the number one overall pick. So, so I know it's early. I you know I don't want to I don't want to j- jump too far ahead into the you know the um th- those type of routes, like the lottery type projection. But that's just kind of where the Spurs stand. You know, it's 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 not looking good right now compared to last year. Uh, you know, there's there's some optimism. Um, from some 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 folks in the fan base and also some some, some media members have think that you know you can't judge this judge this team too just this early that they can count them out just yet but but we'll see what happens because right now like I said everything points to this this season not looking very good uh, with this team and and, how, and the direction that they're they're trending and I, I know that it sounds almost like dooming uh, doom and gloom right now there's not a lot of positives you can find I know I, I could spend a you know I can find a lot of positive on offense there's a lot of good stuff going on for them offensively uh, but again this team is not going to win uh, any games or, or or even make the playoffs if they're not playing defense and they don't get it to a respectable uh, type of defense and and so that's kind of why I continue to focus now two weeks in a row on the Spurs cast uh, on the defense. So before I close out this episode, I want to remind you all to visit projectspurs.com. Steven Anderson is keeping you updated with analysis after each game. And, and this week, uh, Benjamin Bornstein actually wrote a piece looking at potential lottery targets for the Spurs if they continue on this current lottery bound trend. So if the Spurs, you know, end up being a team that's headed toward the lottery when well, then Ben has you set up for that. He, he wrote a, a piece on just some, some players that he's targeting that would fit with the Spurs uh, if they get again into, into the lottery range uh, at the end of the year. Also for project Spurs premium members, I'm continuing to update the different databases after each game, the Spurs complete. So make sure you're checking up uh, for project Spurs premium members. If you're out there, 
Uh, and then finally, I want to thank Michael DeLeon for mixing and editing this episode. So, I'm Paul Garcia, and I hope you're having a great Friday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.